0: And welcome to Brave New Words, uh, sponsored by Starburst Magazine, uh, and you're listening possibly to us on com, or maybe via your usual podcasting system. I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here with... Your co-host, Cy Lloyd, and...
1: And I'm Del.
0: We are a book show, in case you haven't worked it out, uh, and we are all about the books, all about the books, all about the books, oh baby, uh, on... Today's show, we'll be talking about <sighs> no Neil. <trouble>. Neil <laughs> we'll be talking about Neil Gaiman and Neil Gaiman's work in general, but we're going to concentrate mostly on the Graveyard Book because he's written an awful lot of things. The Sly Dog. Across the world, twenty-four hours a day. Generation. Okay, so the graveyard book by Neil Gaiman. Yeah, I've so, not read this one. I've.
2: Oh, good start. <laughs> I, I've no. read
1: other Neil Gaiman works.
0: Yes. So, give us a summary of the graveyard book.
1: The graveyard book is the the very wonderful story um, of it's it's well, it's a children's story to an extent. I'd say it's slightly younger than young adult, but it's still wonderful no matter how old you are. The story starts with the man Jack going into a house and murdering the family within it. But unbeknownst to him...
3: Nice children's the, story. A lovely.
1: That's the thing. It's it's a Neil Gaiman. It's a Neil Gaiman. It's a children's story that starts with the murder of a family and yet at no point loses its that childish tone or becomes terrifying or scary. Um, but unbeknownst to the man Jack, the little boy in the house crawls out of his crib and wanders out of the house wanders up the street and walks into the graveyard the ghosts within the graveyard find the little boy and they hide him from the man jack who comes after him to try and finish the job basically um but because they're ghosts in a graveyard and he's a little boy that has no concept of anything yet they know nothing about him including how to look after a human boy and it's all about how a human person can be brought up by ghosts. Um, and it's <laughs> a dilemma we all thought. Yeah. About, really.
0: So it's the Jungle Book, but with zombies.
1: But yeah, well, no, they're not. They're not zombies. <laughs> there's, I, I don't. From what I remember, I don't even think there's zombies in it. That might be one of the few things that's not. Because part of his adventures is just this, this him delving into <clears throat> and growing up in this supernatural world. Um, he becomes fostered by the Owens. Because the Owens are some married ghosts who in real life never had children. Aww. So they foster him and um, they're saying, oh, well, what should we call him? Who does he look like? And Mrs. Owens says he looks like nobody but himself. So he becomes called Nobody Owens or Bod for short. And we follow Bod on these wonderful adventures and learn about supernatural beings Um he eats because the caretaker of the graveyard gets him food, so you don't have to worry I was about gonna, that. Yeah, that was going to be my first <laughs> His question. His physical needs are met. Um, and then... Um, but you've got all these wonderful archetypes that you come across, and it is, even though it's a kid's story, because of that element and the world that it is set in, it is very gaming-esque. Um, like, there's... Um, oh, the the Grey Lady, I think she's called, or, or the lady, lady of the Grey... Um, which is never mentioned but we kind of get the idea that the lady of the gray is um the angel of death kind of character right. uh, we meet ghouls we meet it's it's a story broken into three mini stories so so to speak there's an there's an overall arc about mm. um bods growing up and that kind of catharsis of having to deal with how the story begins at the end but we have three mini stories within um one of which includes bod in the graveyard meets a ghost and she's the ghost of uh, a woman who was tried as a witch so because she was tried as a witch um she doesn't have a proper grave and so part of that story is bod creating her a, a gravestone because he's a person and has hands and can make things yes and so he makes her a gravestone so that she can have a proper grave and yeah and like properly be at peace and it's it's a, properly oh. it is a very very lovely 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 book wonderful the language
0: use the modular structure makes me think of the jungle book as well yes because <laughs> uh, i read i have to confess i read the graphic novel
1: oh it no fair
0: enough um, <laughs> why not Yeah. for me I couldn't stop making comparisons to the jungle book even though it's nothing like the jungle book
1: yeah even though it's it, nothing it, like it, it.
0: it's nothing like the jungle book <laughs> and it's set in a graveyard it's not the jungle book at all but at the same time it's a story about a boy who is outside of society who grows up weird
2: and yes! well that's
0: fine because the rest of the world is also weird mm. uh, or his environment and his world is weird and he doesn't do the thing where he tries to shine society as a light on it. Mm. it. It's just a set of stories, which I really, yeah. really like. Um, Gaiman has a very...
4: He does he does mention the Jungle Book in his acknowledgements at the end.
3: <laughs> well, it is called yeah. The Something Book. Yeah. The Weird Environment Book. Yeah, the and the no Place for a Boy to Grow Up book.
1: But, yeah. Yeah. but each, each of the stories are so so wonderful. Like It even deals with how, how would Bod be in like a normal world and so he meets a friend because she comes to visit her her grandfather's grave and and they become very friendly but then it all goes wrong so the ghosts take her memories away so that she won't be scared anymore um and it's it's one of those things where i think as a child that's that's the thing as a child i think i just be like oh this is a really interesting story but as an adult there were some really emotional moments in there like i'm without going into it the end is is heartbreaking but in a beautiful kind of way Mm. um but i think if i'd read that as a child i'd be like oh yeah of course that's that's the end and that's what would happen and that's the thing Mm. um but yeah as an adult it was just it was so emotional and so so moving um but again that's very esque.
0: he's very good at writing on different layers Mm. yeah um and it's Chris Riddell as well yes well
1: it, or well no there's two there's two um two versions of the novel of the graveyard book um Chris Riddell Ill- illustrated one another one so my version I got the Dave McKean one just because I'm such a fan of the Dave McKean works uh, for the sandman um but there yeah there's the Chris Riddell one as well uh, because even the Dave so, McKean so it's there's an little... illustrated
3: book rather than
1: what, illustrated in the sense that every few pages you get a a kind of a picture okay um which are really just they're they're so simple mm. and wonderful and just yeah very angsty because it's lots of lovely ink work yeah mine's yeah so mine's dave mckean and it's but Chris Riddell is also wonderful as well because obviously Chris I think Dave Dave McKean and Chris Riddell both have wonderful relationships with Neil Gaiman and therefore if you've got a Neil Gaiman story and Chris Riddell or um, Dave McKean have had anything to do with it it's the pictures absolutely have a good time. yeah the it's it's captured the heart of it and it's yeah, it's beautiful. something
0: it's something that I, I I've seen talked about a few times is the idea of redoing The Sandman. Mm. With one artist. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's almost everyone's response ooh.
2: is
1: that, oh But the. Yeah, because the stories are. are different. And they have and a different. feel to them. Yeah, yeah because, it, each because, because a different it's, feel. it's pluralistic, isn't it? There's yeah. nothing.
3: Which is. There's no single tone in Sandman, which.
1: No, and so the different artists' works. Works wonderfully for
3: that. you can
0: imagine, you can see it working as an idea of redoing an established comic book classic. Mm. But because the writer is, at this point, bigger than the artists, most of the artists, you can see why why it would be suggested. And I'd love to see it, but I don't want to see it at the same time.
1: Yeah, or I want lots of artists to illustrate because i don't know who i'd pick if it was just one so i'd want yeah i'd want dave mckean to do the whole lot and i'd want other ones that i enjoy but for some reason (laughs) cannot even think of um who are my other favourite artists for some oh never no, mind. But anyway, <laughs> like because no, there are so many and they're all they're all on point to each story that they do, so I'd want all of them to do the whole series rather than one person doing the whole They series.
0: keep threatening to make the um Book and Two E movie. Mm-hmm. They haven't yet. Um currently um right, it was going to be the people behind the nightmare before Christmas. Okay. But they were going to do it as a stop animation style. It, it could work. I mean, Coraline was 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 good.
1: Oh an yeah.
0: Um, and it's they also yep. did Paranorman.
3: I've not seen that yet. Oh, it's going to be very good.
1: Ghosts. I feel like I have seen Paranorman. I don't remember anything about. Is it Anna Kendrick? Is she one of the voices? Yes. At the big yes. sister. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes. Yes.
0: And it's all. It's all. It's great, basically, mm-hmm. um, and it's got nothing to do. A Paranormal has got nothing to do with Neil Gaiman, except it's about a little boy in a town where he can he can see the ghosts and no one else can. Right, ah, um, and everyone everyone else thinks he's a bit weird, and it's all about being weirdo outside in your society. Mm. And you know that's either a Neil Gaiman story or a Rodolf story. Let's be
2: honest.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's
0: full of these little notes and ideas, and certain characters are just work marvellously, and it plays with certain expectations and tropes quite well. Mm. Oh. Um, so, yes, Paranormal. I think Leica like Studios, that's who they are, uh, okay. would be a marvellous choice for the Graveyard book. I mean. mm-hmm. but that said, I think Leica like, Studios would be a marvellous choice for Fortunately The Milk as well, which is another meal <laughs> game in the children's book. Uh,
1: oh, Fortunately The Milk is a wonderful, wonderful children's book
0: well that, that's Chris Riddell doing all yep. the illustrations I could imagine, yep. imagine could you imagine Fortunate the Milk with Dave McKean
1: that <laughs> would, would be that would be a very different it look, would be very different look, for Darker yeah.
0: but it would still work it would still it work because he would have because he would do there's a volcano unfortunately milk. this is not a spoiler uh, Fortunate the <laughs> Milk is about a dad who goes out to get some milk from his children and he's late coming back and,
1: like, and oh, there's he, a volcano yeah the, the, oh there's everything right. it's that,
0: so good <laughs> The, they, the, the kids are basically like, oh yeah, you have went to the shop and then you've bumped into someone that like, you haven't <laughs> seen in ages and you got in conversation and like, like we've been waiting here, for, waiting for 20 minutes for our breakfast cereal, where are you, father? It's like, actually, it involved time travelling dinosaur and <laughs> off he goes.
1: It's amazing. I, I think I really gained from um, myself, Ed, and um, producer Al actually went to a Neil Gaiman talk um, right. just after, fortunately, the milk came out. And I loved. I loved finding out all these little things about it like the reason he wrote it was because when he wrote um, is it I swapped my dad for a goldfish or the day I swapped my dad (laughs) for a goldfish he suddenly all these people are like I got your book for my dad for Father's Day yay and he was like oh good and then he was like and then I sat there and thought about it and went well it's not a very good portrayal of fatherness, gift, yeah. Like a dad that just sits and reads a newspaper. So a child swaps him, and then his mum gets angry, and then he can't get him back because that child swapped him for something else, and they swapped <laughs> him for something else. It's the most Father's Day <laughs> gift, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're not very good at this. Yeah. So he wrote, fortunately, the book, the story of a dad who does everything, and and it was awesome. The and also,
3: kids don't even know. <laughs>
1: But finding out again, because Chris Riddell um, illustrated the British version of Fortunately the Milk. He didn't do the the American one and the one that's everywhere else. Um, it's another artist in the rest of the world. And um, it was really interesting at this talk, basically finding out that it was because everything was already sorted, and he sent Chris Riddell the oh, is it a manuscript? Oh, the, the proof, basically. Um, to basically be like, oh, this is what I've made see what you think. And Essentially, got the response. So, when do you need the drawings by? And he was like, he don't didn't know why it never occurred to him that Chris Riddell ab- absolutely should have illustrated that story. Um, but what he he then um, enjoyed was the fact that when the drawings started coming in, the dad, unfortunately, the milk was obviously Neil Gaiman <laughs> so in Chris Riddell's version. Neil Gaiman with a time traveling dinosaur finding milk. <laughs> It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's very
4: obvious in your game as well. Yeah,
1: yes. so much. <laughs> We've
0: got it on the shelves of the the Secret Bookworm Cavern uh, book cave
1: shall I, shall I go and look?
4: Yeah,
0: we can go and look. Yeah. It gets very exciting now because obviously we're out, outside the Tardis studio. If you're a previous fan
3: of our previous show, um... <laughs> it, it will <laughs> it's get terribly delicate. exciting. It was a little bit like the Crystal Maze top being in The Secret. secret top on the shelf. On the, the Secret shelf. Brave New World. It's cave. right in front of you. Ah!
1: The Show! What?
4: Stop the clock, <laughs> she's got the crystal.
0: <laughs> if you're a a fan, the only flute,
1: holographic one, and therefore the only one I couldn't see. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh, excellent video of this because it's a book, obviously.
1: Yeah, let us show you the book.
0: It's, it's, it's got oh. producer owl. produce owl's movie
1: Because when um, Neil Gaiman is famous oh. for the fact that when he does a talk, if people want signings afterwards, he will stay until the queue is finished. So to facilitate that, because I'm sure his publishers have just got used to the fact that he's never going to change. Um, one of the publishers will walk up the queue and give you some yeah, post-it notes. Yeah, just his hair. That's a picture of the back of Neil Gaiman's head. <laughs> it's definitely Neil Gaiman's head. They'll, they'll post-it notes. Uh, yeah, they give you, the um, publishers give you post-it notes and you write your name on them so that when you get to Neil, everything is kind of ready and he can just be like, hi and, and like chat while he's doing it. Um, because as well, um, because it the talk was as part of the promo for fortunately the milk he would sign as fortunately the milks as you wanted so Mm. some people were taking up like one for each nephew and niece that they have um yeah and so it just means that he can open the book see who that book is supposed to be for and the the spelling is correct as well like it was it was very well thought out actually um but yeah it was it was lovely um Really good talk. So, yeah, I would recommend if you are a Neil Gaiman fan and he's ever doing a talk or a reading anywhere near you, get tickets because it was exceptionally entertaining considering it was just a man in a black suit at a podium talking.
0: That was the signing that I... um, I've got a copy of Angels and Visitations. It's a very battered copy of Angels and Visitations.
1: Well, it'll be ancient. That'll be why, surely. (laughs) Um,
0: And it's one of the... Got it. Basically, when it came out, uh, I picked it up, and um, yeah, I always wanted to get it signed. Missed the signing at the time because you know he wasn't that well known at the time. Oh God, I sound hipster, but anyway. Um, but it's got my favorite Neil Gaiman short story so you of you all time. You liked
1: Neil Gaiman before he was cool. Is that is that what you're saying? I'm not saying it? that at all. Um,
0: <laughs> I um, it's got my favorite. It uh, coincidentally happens to have my favourite Neil Gaiman short story of all time which is also in Smoke and Mirrors which is the more common way you get it mm-hmm. and you can also get it in a little pamphlet which is even harder to get your hands on and I don't have a copy of that which is The Price
5: and
0: ah. um, The Price is the story uh, starts off, uh, is, again it's another Neil Gaiman story with Neil Gaiman in it um, it starts with the Tramps and Vagabonds come to our home regularly and he's talking about the collection of cats. And they have this <laughs> right. collection of stray cats that come. Yeah. And this black cat turns up and he's he's a bit of a loner. Bit of a bit of a you know takes time, but he's, he's a he's a lovely cat but, you know, bit obviously he's been through he's seen some stuff, man. Does he right.
1: find a small goth <coughs> musician cat and do they get married and live happily ever after?
0: <laughs> oh, oh no no no.
1: <laughs> oh no, I'm this, sad.
0: This this cat is a very special cat, very <laughs> special cat. Um, it's just a lovely story about you know what the cat actually is, and what the cat does, and why the cat's there, or what the cat's for, and it's heartbreaking. And at the same time, you sit there and you go, ah! <laughs> um, and weirdly, 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 in the story, he. Um, the, the character who's definitely not Neil Gaiman, the dad character, is <laughs> yeah. definitely not Neil Gaiman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, complains about uh a show that he's always wanted to have produced um this TV show that he's been working on. Um and it's it all goes wrong and this is not happening. It's just a throwaway line. Mm. And I remember reading that going, I wonder what that is. And then reading we know. it a few years later going, I wonder if that was Gorman and now realising that that's definitely Gorman Ghast he's talking ah. about
1: yeah, there you go um, also is he's, that something that he's, he's made a habit of then? because Neverwhere mm. um, he wasn't happy with Neverwhere was he which is why he then wrote the novel it's one of the few times where that went that way around. he yeah. wrote a TV series when actually this isn't what I wanted to make mm. so he wrote the novel that was the story he wanted to tell
0: yeah well, the story of Gorman Ghast of course is that mm. the BBC did make a TV series yes. version of it and it got hit by Maximum Daily Mail. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I
1: remember watching that; it was completely bonkers. It's and I quite Jon- liked Jonathan Rhys Meyers, and not re- is Jonathan Rhys Meyers the There's one that's in, in Tudors? Yeah, um, and Zoe Wanamaker. Like, it had quite yeah, quite a good Lee. cast for like yeah. for that interesting yeah. dark aesthetic. And I remember watching it; so quite young at that point. But I remember loving the look of everything I was looking at.
0: And despite the fact that it's a Mervyn Peak book that's been out mm. for a very long time, oh yeah, uh, it's weird to say that it, the TV series was definitely before its time. because yes. the public taste for gast just wasn't there. It was, it was there for me. Mm. I was like, yes, gast. excellent. I wonder if they'll do the one, where, the Melvin Peak one with the guy who thinks he's, who's so good he thinks he's an angel next. <laughs> um, and you know, I, and I remember watching it and thinking, no, this is this is this is gold. Yeah, Uh, I can also remember thinking ah, but it does have a touch of the Doctor Who's about it
1: yeah I Um, loved it but I remember like because I said because I was young I loved it my parents thought it was really interesting but getting to school and no one was talking about it so it was like this is just just me (laughs) having seen this wonderful program because I've been wanting to get the DVDs for ages but they're never like they're not on Amazon you have to find like a seller who is selling mm. one well, that they they're have? They're gonna go at it again. They're
0: gonna okay. have them go at doing Golman Gas. Mm. Um starting with Titus Grown and going across. Okay. So and the gaming I understand is involved on some level. Ooh. So it could be very, very exciting. And the the, the, the taste is there for because they're doing we're we're heading out of the the realms of talking about <laughs> the, graveyard the graveyard
1: book, graveyard movie, yeah. but yeah. I, I still think there's, there's certain parallels between Garst and the graveyard book as well, though, like in in a, in a certain way, a, a an, inter- boy in an interesting up in a strange, word, strange
3: strange world,
1: yeah, interesting world. Titus Groan
3: is more or less a villain, isn't he?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more rather less.
3: Um. <laughs> yeah, that's very much a
0: bad guy. Uh, um. That's like saying Doctor Doom is more or less a, a okay. villain. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
3: Doctor yeah. Doom is definitely a villain,
0: but <laughs> yeah. he's also actually one of my favourite Marvel characters of all time. But, you know he is because he's awesome. Um, but he's also you, you shouldn't say that though because it's like he's Doctor Doom. He's awesome. Well, no, he's a he's a dictator. He's a horrible human being. How can he be awesome? Because he can do all these things. But still, sorry, I've I've gone on a tangent.
1: <laughs> yeah. I but that. hang
0: on, I, I, sorry, I'm going to continue <laughs> on my tangent. There is a there is a, a, an issue of the Fantastic Four, which is all about the Doctor Doom, and Doctor Doom has been dead for like three or four years in the comics at this point, and uh, Force Hammer appears in this huge kind of explosive creator, creator, creator thing, and people are trying. four has been missing for a while as well. Everyone's trying to work out what's going on with four and Doctor Doom turns up. and Richards is like, but you're dead how did you, the last time we saw you literally you were being dragged into hell by the devil himself as his huge hand came out of hell and dragged you into the afterlife how are you alive and then the rest of the issue almost no speech bubbles no sound, is just Dr. Doom's escape from hell and he's this amazing engine of ingenuity and destruction and cunning and then you get to the last the, the last two pages, and he just shrugs and goes, "It was a trifle." And, <laughs> and you're just like, "That's how you establish <laughs> a badass in your setting." It's like you you you've told the reader how amazing he is, but the characters have no idea, mm. and he's never going to tell them because you don't need to. And then now, now, every time you see that character, your brain is like, "I have no idea what amazing things you've done to pull that off." But there's a story there, <laughs> and, and it's that I've gone on a tangent again. No, I? But
1: the, the story that you you wish they'd followed almost. Yes, mm. um, similar to the to Shaun of the Dead um Jessica Stevens slash Jessica Hines whichever one she was at that point her story is clearly the much better story in that she has the same like pack of friends that they meet mm-hmm. on that crossover behind the fences then the next thing you know she's kicking ass with the military and it's like I don't want to know what she got she was to. she was
3: infinitely more successful than yeah. So more t- t- yeah
1: tell me that story as well <laughs> like,
3: but that's the joke
0: though isn't I know that's that the joke
1: but you you want to know <laughs> I really want to know someone make that <laughs> What happened there? It would,
3: it would be a comic. That would be a comic spin off. Yeah. Two or three issues.
1: Yeah.
2: Lovely. Mm.
0: Someone, someone should suggest that and then yeah. get Titan to do it. Yeah. Titan are doing really well at the moment, by the way. I'm really liking Titan. But... Oh, sorry, I'm having a book with Titan. <laughs> so, yes, so Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard book.
1: Absolutely wonderful. Full of little, little moments of joy. Like, even really tiny things like The Man Jack. Um, the and man a lowercase Jack is the only word. Jack is the only word with a capital, and it's just that's a lovely nuance. I was going to ask, is, like that, is man, that a creature
3: Jack. or is it a man called Jack?
1: He's he's a man. His uh, his name. There's more to it that I can't really go into. Okay. But, but he's yeah, without to as without spoilering what's right. very mm. interesting is he is a Jack and he needs to complete what he started because. I can't I can't go into right. who specifically he is, but if he doesn't complete what he started, he cannot become a member of the Jack of All Trades.
2: Okay. All and right. I was
1: like I love that. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Um so you kind of you can't you can't I can't say any more. No. Okay. But I love this thing of the man Jack um, is one. In terms
3: of age, would you say it's pitched out and you'd say older than Coraline?
1: probably similar similar okay yeah i think because i think the little stories in it are interesting enough that children i think across the board will be with you Mm. for it i think maybe it's one of those things where i I bet a bookshop probably say like oh nine to Mm. 12 um but i think that they're generally that's not the world we live in and i think that seven seven year olds will Maybe not read it even themselves, it but if you're reading it with them. Yeah, even though it starts yeah. with a, with a murder, um, the way that it is, is written is not is not, is not horrible because it's just uh, something that needs to happen for the story over to over occur. Story yeah, yeah, it's just that this is a thing that is Children,
0: happening. Children's stories do not have to be c
1: Absolutely. No.
0: No. And I think Neil Gaiman's one of those modern authors that gets it and... You know, it's the same... It's one of the reasons why I love Frances Harding's work so, so, mm. so much is I find that I, had, I had this fascinating conversation about Frances' work with someone who knew her socially.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he was like, oh, well, I got a hopper through and I guessed the ending. And I was like, no you, <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't at all because I was like, oh, well, but this was happening. I felt that was a little bit much. It's like, not for kids. Yeah. kid Kids, were, kids are entirely fine with the murder and mayhem because their perspective is different yeah. and the implications are different mm-hmm. so they're, they're not going to think about oh that poor man's family they really aren't they, no. they, they, mm. they don't have that
1: that's the thing that's happened and that little boy ran away this is where he is now and this is his story mm. Like they are they are with they, they live so in the present in stories mm. that they're just like oh so this bit and this bit and this bit and they, they follow where you're, where yeah. you're taking them it,
0: it's all the children he said rather than using the word adult it's all the children mm. who, who look at the narnia and try and work out oh, yeah. what the economics are yeah. kids don't care <laughs> um, yeah. yeah
1: like i said like the I, children reading the story they'll just be like oh this is this is an interesting story and a thing that happened as an adult because i'm thinking about like the emotional implications of everything that you're reading yeah it's it's truly heartbreaking and so i personally i think i'd have to be having a really because, but basically it's because i'm a weeper and i'm exceptionally emotional anyway and if i was reading this to like a child that i loved it would have been a really good read because i will probably cry but they mm. probably aren't even a little bit sad at the bits that i'm crying mm. at um also it was it just it happened that way it wasn't orchestrated but um i went to paris very shortly after finishing um the graveyard book and part of that trip um I spent the afternoon in the Père Lachaise uh, which is um a very amazing graveyard in Paris and it's huge but they don't really do graveyards like they do in Britain there and everything every grave is a representation almost of of the person who who lies there um mm. and lots of people as well and they they are the size of a grave but people have built like Little, little rooms above Mm. the grave so that you can go and there's chairs in there, and you can go and you sit on your chair and have time with the loved one that's that's lying there. Um, And then there's loads of them that are like monuments and things. But I was in this absolutely stunning, and it is beautiful. That sounds really morbid, but it's not. It's I think it's one of the most beautiful places I've been.
0: Don't really do necropolises in in the UK. I mean, obviously Glasgow necropolises. Glasgow necropolis is weird because. It's more like a continental mm. graveyard, um, and it's as you say, it's beautiful in that dark sort of way. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's also quite grotty.
4: Some of the big London Victorian. Yeah, surfers. yeah. Oh, so yeah. it's like
1: it's like a, an acres large version of, of one of them. Yeah. Um, and you're just walking around, and I was like, I feel like Bod could run out at any point, or I'm surrounded mm. by these people who are like having their they're just yeah. daily adventures together and things. It would be, um, yeah. And I like the idea that because of the fact that graveyards generally are older than we think they are, the oldest ghost in the graveyard is a Roman. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like the person you go to for like wizened advice, even though <laughs> most of them have been dead for, yeah. for centuries. Anyway, is there I not it beautiful. So-
0: talking about graveyards and going on a slight, it's still related to books, honest. <laughs> there is this um, very strange story about I think it might be Highgate. There's a, um, no, I think it's Highgate. There's a tomb in Highgate where the key is lost, mm. and and um, the the backstory to this tomb is it's oh. not just a tomb; it's a time. They machine. think
3: it's a time machine, don't what? they? Yeah, and yeah, because it, it was designed by a crazy maths guy, wasn't it? That, that and at it the time, he'd
0: convinced the Victorian military that. It was definitely a t- teleportation, time booth, time device thing. <laughs> but mm. The key has been lost. And there's the guy who's the descendant of whom the tomb belongs to. And he's trying to raise money to get the key so they can open it. Because you can't just smash
3: it open because it is two minutes disrespectful. Mm-hmm. But it's and also, it might break the maths and stop the time travel
2: working.
0: <laughs> and then there's, there's a guy who's helping him who is uh, a romanticist, shall we say. And, you know, uh, let's accept that mm. journalists have... Have selected what the guy was saying, yeah. and he he comes across as going, "Yes, be awesome if it was actually a time machine. Do this, you it might, it might send me back in time, so I can like make my life more interesting, or whatever, you know, that sort of thing." Yeah. And it's uh, you know the, this news, but I read that and I, I immediately thought of Edgar Rice Burroughs and the Barsoom books. Yes, yeah, yeah
3: because that's the, the, the tomb when he comes out on Mars there. Yeah, so and that
0: that whole idea of. I suppose it's a very obvious idea—the idea of a graveyard as a route to another world, which mm. it is. Mm. I suppose.
1: Mm. I haven't read any of them, but the John Carter film has like a link to the. That's the, the Basmu. To... Oh, yeah, that is that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fine. I didn't know that's what that was called. Yeah. Learn a new thing. Barsoom
0: series, which they're having another go at. Um, they're going to try. They're going to try again. I quite like okay. the first one.
1: Mm. I
3: quite—I didn't mind it.
0: I thought
1: it no, I—I I think it's a really entertaining mm. film.
3: Yeah, I mean, back to that—the the, the graveyards and ghosts <laughs> and and that thing—it's lovely. and um, the dead. Terry Pratchett does that yeah. as well. So you've got a kind of slightly lonely boy there who meets the ghosts in the graveyard.
1: Mm. And obviously, like Pratchett and Gaiman are so Gaiman, mm. so so closely yeah. linked just because of that relationship that mm. they. Oh, it's so sad, like, I don't want to use the past tense so I'm not going to, that relationship they have um, yeah. and the way that their minds work and things
0: I had a slight lump in my throat when I looked at we because just a moment ago we were looking at not getting it signed because we got it signing um, and, and he does a little drawing like Pratchett yeah, like, like, like like, used to he does a specific drawing for each of his books as Pratchett yeah. does mm. um, and Good Omens the two match
5: Oh, that's sweet.
1: Oh, that's actually—it that sounds awful, but that's the reason why I didn't. Because I to for the signing, um while he did as many, fortunately, the milks as you wanted, he would do one um dedicated signing on it on another book, and um I took mine. Neverwear because it's really important to me. Annoyingly, I don't know why I didn't think to take because I've got the big the tome version of death, mm. like the the big beautiful black silver embossed thing and i wish i'd taken that but i didn't i didn't think of it um but i took neverwhere i was urged of taking good omens but something in the back of my head went, if you don't get the other half Mm. you will always always be sad when you look at that book and i'm pleased i didn't because i think i'm i think i'm right and mm. if i looked every time i looked at my good omens, I I'm. you're always like a bit sad anyway but it's sad in an excited way so like mm. i'm sad but i'm about to open this book and that's awesome but i think that would have been sad i'm about to open this book and it's going to make me sad um yeah i'm pleased i didn't do that
0: I'm just having one of those moments where there's 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 a whole bunch of books that in my head. I'm sitting there going, going. What about this thing? Um, obviously, <laughs> I, I'm desperately trying to trying to remember various things.
1: Oh, excellent!
0: Um, but yes, um, I, I find that with signings as well. I also have mm. the thing with signings where I love to give away books. is one of my favourite things. I, I I love doing. Oh, you are
1: not me.
3: Um oh he does, so I've got loads I get of so, loads of unread books that Ed's given me, which is kinda of sad. But. I get connected
1: to the specific book that I've read because that's the book that I gave a little piece of myself to. And so it belongs to me. And so like there's certain books that I've lent people and not got back and I know exactly who those people are and what those books are. So for example, Josh, I will be getting my good omens back at some point. <laughs>
0: you see with me I have there's lots of books I'll read a book I'll I'll love the book I might horribly mangle the book in the process
2: Mm. oh yeah yeah
1: I'm a bit upset about this little dog ear on this one here
0: I unfortunately um, if it's someone else's book that they've lent to me I I carry it around in a little plastic box Mm -hmm. to make sure it's fine Mm -hmm. make sure it's okay because that's not mine if it's my book yeah. Then it goes in the bottom of my bag. Gets put out yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: mine too. Yeah. But I put things in it, my t- bag. T- but
1: everything, t- I have a very specific way of putting books in my bag. Oh no, no, Simon, please stop it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, S- Simon this-
0: has, a, has a copy of uh, Robin Hobbs slash Megan Lindholm's Lind- Lind- *The Inheritance* on our table of books, which is stacked with books, by the way. And it's slightly dog-eared and
4: well, slightly worn. It's watered going in and in out of
1: the bag The upsetting moment there was him prizing the, the layers of the cover apart. No, don't do it's it not. again. My my no. my first copy no. of Good
0: Ormonds, which I still have. Yeah, yeah. um the the spine is almost gone. It's mm. it's yeah
1: I think no don't get me wrong, sometimes it does happen. Like I'm the sort of person like I don't open books Fully, fully, fully. like I have my fingers along the spine and I read them like this mm, so I can still see all the words. mm. Um, But it's almost like for for listeners, how you used to draw birds when you were little. That's how I kind of hold my books so that you don't bend the spine. You're bending
3: the pages rather than the
2: spine.
1: But there's certain books you just can't do that with. Like um, I've had my copy of Bridget Jones's diary since I was 12 and it gets read like, well up until about when I was 20 that got read um, but now it gets read every now and then but it's just been read so many times it doesn't matter how careful you, you are that just, is that is a book that's been happen. read and that book has mm. lived and it's mm. been places with me and stuff and so I think that one is sort of nice that that one reflects the life that it's yeah. had but no they're such beautiful things and when, I just think when need my to wife gets
3: a book and it's her own book First thing she does is break the spine.
1: Oh no, no She more or less she just no. she goes
3: right, this is happening.
1: Oh, No, now I'm gonna
3: read it. I get the and, then, and she just
1: I get the idea of owning that, because when it happens accidentally it's sad. So to an extent, yeah, being like, I'm taking control of this. But no. Oh, I thought I you liked can, your own. You can wife. do
4: a you can do a thing, can't you, where you very carefully sort of open the front and yeah. open the back and then sort of roll it across your table and, then, and, it, and
1: it makes it open without cracking it. Oh, i also that's, um that's, when, I, i'll
3: take that tip Anne. thank you
1: when i'm not reading how the book gets laid down depends on where i am if i'm in the first half of the book it'll get led face down so that the weight of the upper pages will stop Whoa. stop Whoa. hearing this is and science. then if i'm reading the second half it goes face up because then the weight of of the good what is now still the good parts of the first half press down the bad things that are trying to happen in the, see, the see, second half. So I've, it's both science and some
0: sort of hoodoo. See, because I worked with books all my life, I know how to ease a book and I know how to get a book, prepare a book for being read by lots of people. Mm. So you know so it's spines, spines get broken. I understand how bindings work. I understand how it all works. Yeah. And I do it anyway <laughs> Uh I'm a monster. Um,
2: and it's not so mm. much
0: that and, I, you know, I'll get if I get a new first edition or a new book in, um, I'll be careful and as reverential as I can. But the problem I have with that, of course, is it means I can't take the book out with me. And I do a lot you just of Just have to
1: have a careful way that you put it in your bag.
3: The little no. magic borrow box. You could do that with all your books. Y- yeah,
0: yeah. That. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's not gonna happen.
0: It's, a I know. <laughs> um, it's it, and sometimes you just have <coughs> these huge stacks of books as well, just in your bag, and you end up carrying a library with you because yep. you never know you might get abducted. So yeah, I so, have
1: four with me today.
0: <laughs> the the book I was groping for a moment ago is The Corpse Rat King by Lee Battersby. We were talking about uh, graveyards. Yes, The Corpse Rat King is a story about. It's a total side, but it's a story about a man. It's an all oh, angry robot. It's a About a man on a battlefield um, who steals a crown from a king when the king is dead. And the corpses on the battlefield, the dead, drag him into the underworld. Because because he's wearing a crown, they assume he's the king. And the
1: king is dead.
0: And the king is dead. And they want a king to lead them because they're trapped in Nimble.
1: So, sort of a bit, return of the king ask in a certain way well no because he's a complete
0: big, he's, a corp, he's a guy he's yeah. a guy who steals some corpses he's a complete git yeah uh, <laughs> um, so
1: but it, I mean more along the lines of from the ghosty perspective yeah. of needing needing a king to come and break break the 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 life that you're living Mm. the
0: thing Um, i love about that though is it's not you know he doesn't get dragged into a hell it's not another dimension it's mm -hmm. not another world it's literally below the ground that's (laughs) where (laughs) the corpses live that's where the dead live they live below the ground nice Mm. um and you know there's a description of tree roots and this sort of thing um and it's 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 a really kind of it's very medieval idea yeah, it's you know it's not another world, it's not another place, it's not it's not a hell. It's literally it's just mm. down there, a this bit like a bit well, like
3: heaven is the sky.
1: Yeah, yeah. well yeah. back then as well, in, in in that sort of era, we used to bury our dead upside down, didn't we? Like like pegs, you'd bury them head first because they believed that when I don't know if it was the reckoning, like I don't know if it was Judgment Day or if it was just the afterlife, but literally the world turns upside down because the world is flat, obviously. Um, and so you'd be the right way up. The resurrection. I mean, yeah. we,
0: we all we, we all get back up.
1: Yeah, um, you'd be the uh, right I'll way up again.
0: For it. Um, that's a tiny different conversation. It gets really dark. Cause you end up talking about British funeral traditions and, why we <laughs> how do it differently and crematoriums and paganism and World War One. But let's let's on. move on. Do
2: we?
1: Do we do that?
0: There's, there's a whole You're kind of oh conversation dear. with Ed. Oh, it this could is a go, very
1: good point. It could, could go, go anywhere. anywhere. The, uh, but yeah, apparently setting books in graveyards opens up a whole world of wonderful things Those that things you can, can do. do are yeah. 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 we
0: going to have an interview at some point, producer? We are, yes.
5: Let's do that
0: now. Well, Blake Crouch, welcome to brief New Words.
5: Hey, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. How
0: would you describe um, Dark Matter to my... To, to
5: uh, an elderly grandmother? Um, well, I'll, I'll try two ways. First, if assuming she knows who Christopher Nolan is, it's like if Christopher Nolan had directed It's a Wonderful Life. Um, and secondly, I would say I wrote Dark Matter for people who love science fiction, but I also wrote Dark Matter for people who hate science fiction. Um, I wrote this book to be as inclusive And appealing to anyone who has wondered what their life might look like at the end of the road, not taken. And I would think especially somebody's grandmother who is in their 70s or 80s or 90s and looking at the end of their life would undoubtedly have some familiarity with wondering what their life would have turned out if they'd made a different set of choices. And that is ultimately what this book is about.
0: How have you? How has the TV show version of *Wayward Pines* changed the way you do business?
5: Um, it's a really good question. I've always been attracted to the big idea, to a book that is that has a concept that would, if I just heard about it or saw the trailer or read the jacket copy, would pull me in. I've... I've from the very beginning of my career, I always wanted to write those kinds of books. I didn't necessarily – I thought I was writing them early on, but I wasn't. It really wasn't until my book run, I think, that I began to actually follow that, uh, that line of thinking. But what, what Wayward Pines has shown me is that if, if you come up with – and this is, I guess, me talking to myself as I, as I am doing right now, which is I'm thinking about what will my next book be. If I come up with something that is a big enough idea then it can be just bigger than a book it can be a book that is available in every major territory in the world it could be a TV show it could be a movie it can be a support system for hundreds and hundreds of people who work to make this TV show or movie it it goes so far beyond just the basic idea Um, And so what it's made me do is really slow down when it comes to trying to understand what my next idea is going to be and making sure that I choose it carefully and that I choose an idea not only that I am tremendously excited about, but that has the potential to be a support system across all media.
0: What, as an author, what is it that excites you about writing a new series? Um,
5: I mean, Dark Matter is not a new series. It's a standalone. There won't be any other books that follow it with these characters. So, what I would say, what excited me about Dark Matter was not writing a series. Um, You know, I lived to breathe Wayward Pines in um, books, in television for five or six years, Uh, and I, I mean, after a while, I felt like I couldn't escape Wayward Pines. So, when I started writing. Dark Matter just had this freshness about it. It was it was almost like starting your life over. It was a blank slate, all potential, promise. I, I love that moment in creation of a book when you're, you know. And I feel that way now about Dark Matter. You know, it, for Dark Matter, I've been working on this even longer in some ways than Where Pines. I started writing this book two a little over two years ago. Uh, just about to finish the. Script adaptation of it for Sony, and you know, there's something so appealing to me about the next phase, and finding out what my next book is going to be, meeting all new characters and new situations. It's I don't know. It's probably my favorite part of the process.
0: For you, what is the um, what is the process from taking a book that you've just written and putting it that on the screen?
5: Um, that differs Uh, and you know my experience with that has been with of course Wayward Pines and with Good Behavior this show that's coming out later this fall in the US it's based on some other stories of mine and and, and those follow a similar path in that Uh, once the book is done it's very much about kind of then forgetting about the book in the details of it and thinking about what makes the idea itself work the broad strokes, like what are the 10, 12, 15 moments you have to have? Where are the act breaks? You know, all, all my books, you know, I structure out as I'm writing, I structure them in a similar way that screenwriters structure, structure scripts because it just makes for smart narrative plotting. But that becomes even more strict when it when it breaks down to the script level. So it, it's really just about breaking the story apart into all of its and finding out what are, what are the minimal things I need to carry on the spirit of the story and what I love about it and what I think other people love about it, while weeding out the things that will just slow it down and bog it down and make it
0: a 300-page script instead of a 110-page script. What's the thing that you find really spooky?
5: Uh, in writing or in life?
0: Uh, a bit of both, if you don't mind.
5: Yeah. In writing, I find it spooky, but also kind of cool when people see things in books that I never intentionally intended, or they pull out themes that are there, but I never set out to incorporate. Um, not to say that they're wrong, it's just that it's wild how the subconscious works to slide in thoughts and fears and hopes and dreams when you're not aware of it. What scares me in life? Um... indecision scares me uh living kind of in a state of superposition where you are not willing to commit to one distinct path because all you see ahead of you is you know failure at the end of this path or problems at the end of this one it's kind of it's kind of the issue that i'm writing about with my main character in dark matter
0: what's next
5: What's next? Uh, finishing up the script for Dark Matter. Um, I, uh, I have... My next TV show is coming out uh, this fall in the U.S. on TNT. I don't, I'm not sure where in the U.K. it's going to premiere. It stars uh, Michelle Dockery from Downton Abbey. Uh, it's her first role after that series. She's playing my character, Letty Rains, who is a an addict, a junkie who is just out of prison on good behavior trying to get her life straight, trying to set herself up to get her son back and she's uh, knocking off rooms in a luxury resort in Asheville, North Carolina she overhears a man hiring a hitman to murder his wife and this sucks her into this seductive and dangerous relationship with this assassin Um, it's kind of a Kind of a body and Clyde uh, for a new generation.
0: Sorry, what's the the name of that?
5: Good behavior. (laughs)
0: Um, that actually sounds very different from other stuff that you've done previously. Where's that come from?
5: You know, it comes from a series of short stories I wrote uh, starting in two thousand and eleven. And the idea, you know, most of my other stuff I write. Uh, you know, the concept is the big idea. It's the it's the mixture of science, and this emotional story, with good behavior. In these stories, the concept is purely the character of Letty. I've never had a character um, just walk off the page so clearly formed, living, breathing, speaking, as with as with this character. I mean, that's no slight against Ethan Burke and wayward pines or jason Desson and dark matter i I feel like i know them intimately but i know them intimately because i worked on those books for years and knew them intimately and and how they thought by the end of those with good behavior the first words out of letty's mouth i knew exactly who she was i've never experienced anything like it it's the closest like lightning in a bottle pure electricity in the room moment i've had as a writer um she's I, i love i love this character I think people are going to really enjoy meeting Laddie.
0: As a writer, what's your hardest challenge?
5: Coming up with that next idea. What's wor- what coming up with the idea that uh, that's I feel strong enough about to spend the next couple years of my life on almost nothing else.
0: Why do you give your characters such a hard time?
5: <laughs> oh i think characters uh aren't really interesting to me until they're pushed right to their breaking point right when a character or a human being for that matter is at their breaking point when everything is on the line when they feel like they've lost everything when it's the skies are dark i think that's when you start to actually learn who a character really is and what they're made of And are they just going to crawl away into a corner and die? Are they going to, is it going to make them stronger? Are they going to have psychological, mental, emotional, physical breakthroughs? Um, I'm really not interested in writing about characters who are not at the end of the rope.
0: What, uh, if you had the opportunity to write in someone else's world, what world would it be?
5: I would be interested in doing that I didn't create. Because, look, I mean, there's nothing there is nothing better or more rewarding for a writer creatively, collaboratively, financially than to work on stories that you create. So, I just am saying this to say that there's not much that I would want to play in. But, I would love to play in Thomas Harris's world. Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, I, I Hannibal Lecter has just the most distinct voice of any character I've ever encountered. And I would drop everything to work on uh, this next season of Twin Peaks that's getting ready to come out.
2: (laughs) Um,
0: If you got to have dinner with one writer, alive or dead, who would it be? (coughs) Cormac McCarthy. Um, Some fairly um, relatively light-hearted questions. We're almost finished. Don't worry. Sorry about that. (laughs) No
5: worries. No problem.
0: Um, So, if you got to rescue one book, and that book will survive past mankind and survive until the sun dies, what would that one book be? (laughs)
2: Hmm.
5: Am I, who am I saving it for? Am I saving it for me
0: or for mankind? For manga- Well, for everyone, because it survives past everyone else. Wow,
5: well, the road. Good choice.
0: Okay, some very... Some, uh, uh, if you got to meet yourself at the age of 16 and just give yourself one piece of advice before you get wisped away by time, what would that be?
5: tell myself uh the, the thing that you really want to do which is writing which I knew that I wanted to do then you should be uncompromising and try to make that work no matter what it's very very it's a it's a long road to hope uh being a writer and there's so many hurdles especially at the outset that, that are just designed to turn you away um, was published early on i was 25 years old when my first novel was published but even then i had gone through so much rejection so much doubt i mean there are there are moments where i thought about just not doing it or, or or just doing it for myself and not really and just taking the ambition and the desire to have you know millions of people read my work out of the equation um, and i think that would have been a mistake
0: So, some very quick either-or questions. So, um, creeping horror or the big gross-out? Creeping horror. The winding path or the long road?
5: Winding path.
0: The the unending pit or the stars?
5: Oh, the stars.
0: And finally, truth or beauty? Truth. Nick Crouch, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Awesome questions, Ed. Thank you. Starburst
1: Radio. The greatest radio show in the universe. Every Wednesday,
5: nine PM till eleven PM, exclusive to Fab Radio International.
0: So, if you uh, if you write books or you produce books or you like books in general, you should be listening to the show, which you are doing. So, well done. Uh, <laughs> also, if you want us to interview, get in touch. We are available from the place that you got this show. So, uh, we're also bringing you words on um, Facebook. Twitter and probably our media formats easily find us you can also find us on pages of Starbucks magazine under the the, the section 15 words you see what we've done there (laughs) so we were talking about how morbid children's books can be to an extent Mm. Um, because they really can be
1: it's a long standing tradition though isn't it like children's stories have never been nice no, because they're generally about learning a lesson and especially way back in the day uh, fairy tales even it was learning a lesson but how do you teach children lessons where well, you punish children so even the stories should tell should yeah. be horrible well, there was a, trend, a trending <laughs> article them. recently
3: that i think you linked to dale about the, the fairy stories are older than, yes. than you think I, I didn't read it but um
1: i read them. i read bits <laughs> of it um there's certain um folk well i say folk, certain it appears to be most of them there's certain fairy tales and folklore stories um that we tell that we've assumed are a couple of hundred years old um even though i think it, it's a natural assumption to make based on the fact that when, that's when they started to occur in print but actually through um what these people have done is created connections to be like oh well this culture talk about this story and this culture talk about this story and actually we could Mm. say that this culture story of this is this story and um, some of them predate the Bronze Age like some of these stories are from and I say some of them it appears to be most archetypal stories that we know of are almost as old as people are it's so so interesting
0: people tell stories and I think what we now call fairy tales Mm -hmm. are just really good ideas for stories yeah. Um, so the idea—it's a common trope in, in certain older fairy tales—that mm-hmm. you know the idea of someone wearing iron shoes, dancing themselves to death. Yeah, that's a horrible idea. It's mm. a horrible, it's horrible thing. Horrible <laughs> idea. So therefore, everybody knows it. Yeah, and it's in so many different little fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Um, bears being cut open to, to, to rescue something, or some other animal being cut open to yeah. rescue something. All these horrible, bloody little kind of ideas yeah. mm. we don't let go of because yeah. they capture our imagination mm. and stay there. And it's what, the, the idea of these kind of manufactured products as stories is relatively new.
1: Yeah. yeah. It specifically talked about um, Beauty and the Beast a few times. Apparently Beauty and the Beast is potentially one of the oldest stories. Um, Man. me... Uh, Man, man kidnaps man, woman. Well man, man transformed due to his cold heartedness essentially. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> a mm. Kidnaps woman. Woman <laughs> gets Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> and then through her love he works out who he is again. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so it was a really a really interesting concept. And I know that yet yeah, there's it's been a long-standing thing for forever. There are only seven stories in the world, but it, so the, originally that's what I thought the article was going to be about, but it wasn't. It was about the fact that through yeah looking at cultural links, we can actually date these these ideas and therefore these stories to a really, really long time ago. Uh, the
0: thing I have always found interesting about the, the the line there's only seven stories is, yeah, but there's only four numbers in your pin called, and that's unique. <laughs>
1: I still yeah I don't oh, I don't think that anyone who has ever says about the fact that it, there's it's any a seven theory is I wouldn't is well, I, I absolutely go with it most stories can, can be attributed to one of those seven I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing it's, it's just it's finding a way of how you uniquely mm. create your story yes your story will be ultimately come down to being one of those seven you but that can, doesn't matter
0: you can break down stories into seven chunks you can break down all written language into 26 words <laughs> you know it's 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 all very well for you to turn around and say yeah. yes yes there are seven basic plots mm. but within those seven basic plots we were watching i was watching with producer al um strictly ballroom
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I did the hero's Journey and I was trying to explain Strictly Ballroom as the I love Strictly Heroes Journey. Ballroom. And you can, Well
3: they do it with a lot of reality competitions, don't they? Yeah.
0: Um and Strictly Ballroom. You can sit there and you can do the hero's j- journey where, you know, He's, he's part of the village, he's the dancer, everyone knows him. <laughs> then there's the challenge when he wants to do something different and then there's the call to adventure and then there's, and so on. You can do all the various bits and pieces. Right there to the wise old mentor who's his dad, yeah. or also the Spanish guy. And yes. So yes, I was going to say, Bruno, these...
3: Bruno is the guy that gives you the wand in this, isn't he? And, uh,
1: <laughs> sorry. Takes
0: or it, is he? I don't
3: know.
0: Takes it all down to uh,
1: <laughs> no, because well, you're talking about Strictly Come so Dancing, we're yeah, yeah. But, about Strictly but Strictly Ballroom is a about oh, yeah, 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 film. Yeah, no, sorry, no, but yeah. the thing is, oddly enough, everything you said absolutely <laughs> applies to what Simon <laughs> was <laughs> thinking. <laughs> that's really awful. <laughs>
3: No, it is true. We need to write to them and be like,
1: "You made a reality TV show."
3: That's what they do in reality TV shows. They construct stories around the participants Mm. uh, that leads them to a heroic (laughs) status.
1: That's amazing. No, he was the wise old Spanish guy. (laughs) Yes.
3: Yeah, it's been years since I've seen Strictly Ballroom. I didn't make the connection. Oh, I, uh, I didn't
1: love uh, it either. Oh no, I think it's, sorry, it's genuinely, genuinely amazing, especially um, now <laughs> when you watch it. Like, because that film is what twenty, oh, well over twenty years old now. It's like from the early nineties. Because mm. um, Romeo and Juliet was nineteen ninety six, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm. Um, and so like just because that, that's a Baz Luhrmann film, just randomly being like nineteen ninety two Strictly Ballroom. Yeah, so it's wow. it, that is. Tw- nearly twenty four years old. Oh um And <laughs> so it's amazing watching it from the fashion perspective. but <laughs> we well, actually it doesn't fail that much. Oh no no, everything else holds
4: up. Yeah. We, we it's literally do a just weird
0: about the Great Gatsby at some point.
4: Okay. The thing that looks weirdest and tricky really boring is the dance costumes, which always look strange. That's the thing, though, but the dance
1: costumes always look mental. Yeah. Yeah. There's
3: no there's no normal in dance costumes. No. There? There's no. that shop in Horwich that sells dance costumes. It's not right.
1: <laughs>
2: sorry. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm going to bring this back to books. Oh,
1: yeah, sorry. The seven, <laughs> the, the seven stories I did. <laughs> I, actually,
0: I was going to go on an entirely different Oh, tangent. sorry. And here's, a, here's, a, here's a, um, a thing we're talking about costumes. What is it with authors? and the different clothing styles because they all it, it's its strange sometimes that like sometimes you'll meet authors who have genuinely sat down and gone I need to have a public persona or not a I book. have
4: seen a picture mm. of, yeah, of yeah. Neil Gaiman not in black no you have not I have, it's a very <laughs> very old picture from a very very old Easter con and it's him and Terry Pratchett and Terry mm. doesn't have the hat yet mm. and, and Neil good Gaiman good omens too Possibly, Neil Gaiman doesn't have the black
2: yet. That's oh, Neil, Neil
3: Gaiman um, in the Good Omens preview, was, uh, 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 sort of intro, is described as owning an infinite number of black t-shirts. Mm. I think.
1: Look, I'm not a writer, but part of me wonders if because when you're when you're creating characters, and I'm not saying writers create characters about themselves, but I do think that writing, because it's such, you put so much of yourself into it, you probably do learn quite a bit about yourself from that and so i wonder if it's just because you find out who you are as a writer by writing that therefore that actually becomes an aesthetic would be how i would look at that but i'm Mm. not a writer i'm well am am i the only non-writer in the room are you a writer simon
3: i am a writer but oh yeah so yeah
1: it's just me yeah
0: (laughs) there's a i saw this good few years ago a sci-fi weekend uh, event they had a they had a steampunk of um adventure where well, it oh, yeah. Anne forward. is
1: showing us the photo and Neil Gaiman appears to be wearing a bluish grey shirt and <laughs> Terry Pratchett is not wearing a hat. Ooh.
4: And he appears to be
0: mostly beard.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well to be fair the, the can, beard we, is just... can we link to that Horribly? so that people can potentially <laughs> find it.
0: Yeah, I saw a uh, On uh,
1: Tumblr Oh, Is that the yeah. place you put linky things? Yeah, Absolutely. we put pa- linky pa- link.
0: Tumblr. We're going to tumble you, people. Uh, we there are on Easy. Tumblr. as you read? Of course. Um, yes. I, so I saw a, this a few years ago. Uh, a thing which was like a steampunk office panel.
3: Oh my goodness! Can you imagine the state? And well, it was bulletproof <laughs> Man- with tweed. Robert
0: Duncan <laughs> <laughs> was doing the wall-to-wall cogs and tweed and leather. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Rankin in the middle, yeah. with a wand and a ray gun. <laughs> <laughs> And then on one side you had the kind of... And, and, and I can't remember all the authors who were on that, that panel, because it was a few years ago. But on the one side you had these kind of... the, the slightly smaller press authors, who were all about the steampunk, who had gone mm. to the asylum, gone to all the steampunk events, yeah. um, and were very much dressed like refugees from a Zeppelin cra- crash. Hogs everywhere it's a short version it's a con
3: panel though you know
0: and then on the other side we had um, a couple of other authors including Lavi Tidar now Lavi Tidar uh, who's a lovely chap uh, he was wearing what he always wears which is a set of grey trousers and a grey stretch sweatsh- a grey hoodie and He's Lavi, you, you know. He takes his hood off. You he recognise. He's got a very distinctive face. It's a very distinctive shape to the man. You, you can recognise him a mile away. That he's Lavi Tidal. He doesn't need passion
3: I was going to say, but the others might not be so distinctive.
0: Please say, say his, his name
4: again. again. Lavi he <laughs> It's one of those things, isn't it? As well as it's as it's the public persona and, and it's what you come to be yeah. always known by, yeah. it means that you can get some anonymity. I went to see oh, yeah, absolutely. Harry Hill in in like a gig in some theatre in London, mm. probably the best part of a decade ago now. And he obviously has the suit and the huge shoes and the big, the colours, big yeah. collar. Yeah. And I am fairly sure that about half an hour after the show had ended, I saw him coming out the stage door. But I don't know, because the guy was dressed so differently and, yeah. and didn't to, have the glasses. Yes. What yeah. if you think... It was impossible to be able to say. And that is the beauty of the anonymity. But is it also the thing of, if you're Neil Gaiman and you're in black, you get up every day, you put on the black clothes, the closest to hand, and then you get on with the creative stuff. Mm-hmm. And you haven't wasted yeah. some of your creative energy in trying to decide what to wear that day. Mm.
1: I think, yeah, it's... Because though, loads of my friends, uh, a couple of years after um, the Going Postal uh, TV
2: th- Which uh, the thingy. Is great. Yeah, so what's, to it, to what's, it, what's it called? It's so- oh, called Going Postal. Yeah, but no, no, adaptation, adaptation
1: thank you. Um, I found yeah, a couple of years after I came out, my friends didn't realise that Terry Pratchett was the postman mm, at the yeah, end who drops yeah, it down the oh, wall and so i think yeah a no hat but b authors are also very good at using photos <laughs> of themselves so yeah. people yeah. forget they've aged mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so it's just like no that person's too old to be them and yeah no. you can you can i suppose absolutely utilize anonymity if you become so synonymous with a certain yeah. aesthetic yeah, that the, the, when you the, leave the, that the, people won't
3: no way there's no you. way that rankings go into the- shops with a pint of milk with his ray gun, do you know what <laughs> I mean? But You've got your ray gun dear sorry. <laughs> sorry. But it was also yeah. the fact
2: that
0: the established the, the, the kind of the refugees from, from a Victorian era that never existed mm. were sort of outraged at the office who weren't dressed to dressed to the port part. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> to the point where in the conversation, um you know, you know the side down. Manton pulled <laughs> his ray gun on Lavi and in a kind of, oh, that's just not cricket, old chap. And he's like, and Tidar was trying to make a serious point about, you know, history and its responsibilities and how as fiction writers we can create different worlds and we can explore different meanings and all the rest of it. Because if you've read the Bookman Chronicles, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, that's very clever, okay. And the rest of them are just like, no, look, steampunks look, Zeppelins, things flying, it should be. And it was hilarious to watch. And I think there's definitely a, a, an approach, and I think it might be a conscious choice that certain authors make, where they have to decide whether they're going to dress distinctively to be marketable. Mm. Um, I think some of them just dress that way because no one's
3: ever told them they shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Uh, if you, I, you, you want to be I'm a celebrity, you say, well. <laughs>
0: But yes, so not if if you are an author and you're complaining that we're having a go at your fashion choices, don't <laughs> please because you know we we know we
3: understand. I would um, totally do it.
4: Yeah.
3: Oh, so, uh, what, would, what, 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 what
0: would
4: your fashion choice be then? Clothes. Yeah. Uh, clothes.
3: Um, I I would definitely go. Uh, I mentioned layers of tweed. I'd probably go that route. I'd probably look like some kind of eccentric young professor. I say young. I'm not young. Well, all
1: professors are like nine hundred and seventy-six. Yeah, so
3: relatively, I'm an eccentric young professor. Yeah, that's
1: what. I think it would just be a version of what I already am. Like I'm generally knitwear. Yeah, (laughs)
2: like I am
1: knitwear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like remember once I went out and I realized my (laughs) my entire outfit was knitwear. I was wearing knitted tights and knitted skirt and a jumper. And I was like, oh god. So yeah, probably some version of, of. knitwear, so, so like a of big Harry jumper Hill, with a nice character. skirt, and maybe if it was a nice event, some form of sparkly shoes. No. for the
0: for the listener I would like to point out that Del is a human being she's not animated balls of yarn she's not actually no. like a kind of anim- animatronic puppet, even she's, though um, she's a game and ask doll creature
1: Yoshi, like, like Nintendo have like a Yoshi wool world oh, the, the, and it looks like world. the most amazing thing in the world, <laughs> and I would happily live there I'd be, ma- I'd be made of wool. If anyone would like to make a crochet me, um, that can be the new me and we'll, we'll put my myself into it and then so I'd just be made of wool.
0: I have thought of looks and style. I, when I'm at conventions, I have two, two modes. One is I'll wear essentially work clothes. So I'll be in a, a nice jacket that's a bit tatty, nice, nice trousers that are a bit tatty and a shirt and maybe a tie if you're lucky, but normally just a lanyard because mm. it's a convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I look like a school teacher, basically, or journalist, which is what I am. Um And everything's a bit tassy because I'm a journalist. Uh, it's <laughs> not the best paper ever. If more comic conventions, I just tend to, to wear jeans and t t-shirt and maybe a nice big jumper. Uh, I'd love to dress like an escapee from a zeppelin.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I might add to my tweet. depends on what i what I published. I might add to my tweet, like, I've got this gorgeous... Um, sort of suede coats, which is the Zeppelin captain's coat, obviously. There's uh, a, then I, I'd probably, if I could get away with wearing that, I would because I need to wear it again. Says.
0: There's an American author who writes a lot about guns, and he's <laughs> on the, really, yeah, he's on the right wing of um, right. the current book argument. Shall we say? We'll not mention any any sad puppies, but thank you. We'll not mention his name, but he look he dresses in. Um, a combination of camel.
1: I knew you were going to say camel. I so please say oh, camel. Camel
0: and these kind of like, almost like a kind of form fitting suit thing. So it's like a sci fi camel. And he just looks ridiculous. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so he, like, did he suit it though? With the face and everything?
1: With oh, the face and everything.
0: Because he's mostly camel well, you know as mean? well.
1: You'll he, oh, right, be able okay.
0: to work out who I'm talking about at this point. But it's a combination of leather and camel that you just sit there going. No you look you, you look like that looks like an identikit photo. You've
1: you've tried he's is you've tried to create a thing, but you've not realised it's not worked and gone with it and Space
3: Nazis should look cool. At least, <laughs>
1: <really>.
0: Um <laughs> I
3: think
0: that's the aesthetic he was going for Space Nazis. Didn't quite it didn't work, oh, does it? Go, <sighs> It's not a thing. No. Black, surely. Yeah. That space camera was black. Yeah. Maybe with one or two dots yeah. of, li- of light. Exactly. Don't fall back through.
1: Nothing's green in space.
0: Nope. Just, just black.
1: Yep. Yep. All we needed. I'm, I'm
0: being stared at by, by fuji Saval. Are we running up sure?
1: Um, well, she's not waving a book at us, so not that's... Not, no, we've we, finished we're talking diverse. about that book now. We're, just,
3: we're, <laughs> we're talking about authors' dress sense. I've, I've got. <laughs> we're, we're friends with authors. Yeah. We like authors. I've not no be about authors. My
1: my wool, my <laughs> knitwear would have some form of probable, like non-age-appropriate affair to it, just simply because I I do lots of like cutesy things that's part of what I do my yeah. lanyard is a Totoro lanyard and it's got um, a toothless charm on it um, because I like Totoro and I like How to Train a Dragon um, okay. so yeah. already I'd have to factor that in because that's the lanyard now the,
0: there's there's a thing about conventions now that we're talking about conventions and, and fashion wear and because we're also in the, the um, Brave New Words the secret book base and um, have you come up with a better name for that for, yeah. the, for this studio? I quite like it,
3: book, base. Secret so book, this, base. book base.
0: Um, Hanging actually on one of our shelves is <laughs> actually one
1: Ed, Sorry, can you say the words book nook? Book nook. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's amazing
0: There's actually. Can we call it that instead? Though. Yeah. The
1: There's a bookshop book in
0: uh, South Shields, where I'm from, Uh which is in the nook. Which is a part of the, the North East. We've lost Dell. We've lost Dell. The Nuke is a geographical uh in South Shields. If you know South Shields, then you'd know what it is. If you're not from South Shields, you don't care. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. I, and there, there is a book Nuke in, in the Nuke. Um, no,
1: actually, Jason, we can't call it the book Nuke. No. You should go and take a look. We can't it <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's not run by Mr. Cook. But yes, I've got this weird lanyard from the first WorldCon, and what happens at WorldCons is that you get um, you get given ribbons, and the ribbons are to declare the the things that you the things that you love, essentially, the things that you enjoy. You get one ribbon, and the ribbon is something like my first WorldCon or welcome to WorldCon, and then you get another one to support. The bid, uh, the, the, the bid for the next one and obviously you feel really rude that you've supported the wrong bid and then Gollands will go up to you and go, are you a Gollands geek? Do you love the Gollands books? and be like, I love the Gollands books of course I love the Gollands books, you do some fantastic stuff you're on the major publishers. I'll wear your ribbon by the end of it you've got this war shirt <laughs> Of oh, 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 geek ribbons, and then people give you pins, and then you put the pins in there, and it rattles, and oh, it's like you're preparing for like a geek Mardi
3: Gras or something. Ooh, oh, what,
0: but what would that be? What would you have you're,
1: to show you're, you're, for a badge? You're, you're flashing
3: your stuff all over the place, aren't you? You're, you're flashing your geek support for various things, and you're be given ribbons.
1: So show me your support. Show for me a your, badge. Support for show a, your support. Show me your support. For get your get your support <laughs> out you for the Facebook. lads. Come on. Yeah.
4: <laughs> sorry g- the manuscript g- of your self-published book
0: <laughs> the thing is someone who spends most of their time at home reading books or editing books or writing books doesn't get out that much so yeah give us a jiggle, it's not some... <laughs> <laughs> oh we're uh, awful people really, really yeah. horrible. <laughs> horrible horrible people um,
1: we're sorry Worldcon
0: Helsinki <laughs> uh, next year yes uh, Mid-American mm. this year uh, I don't think any of us going to him in America because it's in the middle of America. Mm. Hence the name. Um, and the last time we went to Kansas, well the last time producer Al went to Kansas, he committed murder, didn't he? Yeah,
4: it's not good. We won't talk about
3: it. Um, so... I'm curious. Offer that, please.
2: Yeah. Okay.
3: Mm.
0: Oh, no, it was, um, she, she found these, was it three companions? Four companions?
2: Three.
0: Three companions. And a dog. And a dog. And the uh, first person she she met, she killed. Uh, right, Hanna, I get it. Yeah, uh,
3: right. yeah, I don't know what you. You wearing your red shoes? And right?
4: then, they found out free companions to, to, to go and kill again,
3: mm.
4: <laughs> and it was just
1: perfectly acceptable. This
0: is perfectly acceptable. Yeah. but this is the thing about children's books.
1: Yeah,
0: is the, the fact that the Wizard of Oz can happen.
1: You see
3: how it manfully, <laughs> yeah. manfully gets back. We bring it books. back to the books. Yeah,
0: and that's fine. Um, mm. You know,
3: it's our, dark as ever.
0: Santa and Aslan train four child soldiers yep. to lead an army. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things that actually really annoys me about stuff like Cracked and other, other sort of... There's an entire industry now on being cynical about stories.
1: Mm. Which, don't get me wrong, I love Wicked. I think Wicked is a fantastic version of those. Um, but I think I would be annoyed if it wasn't for the fact that it's got some jolly songs. Because um, that's essentially the the premise of the Wicked books is... Looking at things from the witch's point of view, and not so much justifying it, but being like, if a girl grew up this way and these things happened to her, mm. maybe can you see that she's not she's not the bad guy? Um, well, so, the fact
3: that everyone has a point of view. Yeah, I mean, um maleficent—they've done the same thing. I
0: haven't oh, seen so it. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen I've it heard, yet, heard but it's I really, very good. I've heard it isn't the oh. go. Um. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> I, I, I like it. I, I like it when they so so wicked would start out as books as well. I mm. like it when they work work at it. Mm. And you sit there and I, I love EUs I love alternate takes on various things. Yes. Mm. There's a I, I can't remember off the top of my head. There is a take on the Harry Potter books where
1: um, you've told me about this.
0: Uh, we'll dig it out and talk about it in mm. some yes. show in the future where it's essentially he is a public school boy uh with a certain sort of magic and mm. everyone else because of the establishment has decided that this particular boy should be the one who saves the world. Mm-hmm. Because this other lad who has of a different social background and has different connections and isn't as well connected, is actually doing all the work, mm. he kind mm. of gets he gets into trouble. So for uh, then?
1: Well, did because <laughs> yeah. I've did you say that kind of the premise is essentially what if Uncle Vernon had never been in the picture and Petun- Aunt Petunia was happy and Harry had grown up happy? That's mm.
0: Harry Potter and the, and oh, the that's a different thing uh, and the methods of rationality. Oh.
1: Um,
0: yes, um, but I like it when they work at it. I like it when they actually have a go at different worlds and think of different
3: different takes on an idea. I watched Frozen the other day, and that's that with the Snow Queen.
1: Yeah, Mm. I I really enjoyed it I do think that it's when they say I think sometimes people they fixate on the wrong bits too much and so things like Frozen is inspired by the Snow Queen and people are like it's Mm. nothing like Snow Queen it's like no, it's inspired by the Snow Queen they were originally going to
3: make it Closer to the Snow Queen, a bit like yeah. Tangle was Rapunzel, but then they had to make Elsa a goodie because "Let like, It Go" was too good a song for a baddie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how it went. Yeah, like,
1: well, um, almost because they they had that song, didn't they? And they almost built a film around it. Yeah. Um,
0: Kill Baxter by t- uh, Charlie Human is what I was talking about. Okay. Um, the titular Baxter is essentially a kid with magical heritage. He goes to a Wizardly School and all the rest of it. He's he, but he's not the chosen one someone else is the chosen one it's just that Bax is the competent one who can actually stop <laughs> the world from ending but
1: for some reason um, it's never his story
0: <laughs> yes so you know it's yeah. and, and yeah. obviously the cho- the chosen one is the, the one with all the connections and all the mm. family and also the one who conveniently fits the narrative
5: uh, yeah. which I,
0: I kind of I like that take on things but what I don't like is when someone sits there and goes Frozen," and then sits there and tries to explain why the economics of this town won't work, and oh. Oh, oh, God. they turn, turn around and go, "Oh, well, if she's if she's if she's magically put winter in the middle, then that's destroyed all the crops." Oh, go Get over it. If that's not what it's yeah. about. Um, it's
3: and also,
1: being boring, yeah, even if that was true, yes, it has. Like that's still not suddenly what the story should be about. <laughs> yeah, that,
0: that's not the story of the adventure. What you're basically doing there is being a cynical, boring grown-up. Mm. Um,
1: You've forgotten um, what imagination is. Yeah. Um,
4: it's like the grown to do, oh, it's not, but it's not, Frozen isn't close enough to the Snow cream because of this, this and this. Yeah. Do you understand adaptation? Yeah. Do you
1: understand mm. all no, Do you understand any well. constructs of fiction whatsoever? It's that idea of, but they've not said this is based on, they've said this is inspired by, and mm. they forget what that means. Um, and even, but then, if it was a really literal Take on the Snow Queen. It would just be another boring version of the Snow Queen. And um, the Snow Queen is r- a really long children's story. It's a story about it's why it's you should quite avoid dull. all the rules. It's a story about why <laughs> you should avoid, avoid everything. Like,
4: but yeah, <gasps> children's you...
1: fairy tales are either like a five
4: hundred word drabble or they go on forever.
1: Oh yeah, it's because it just doesn't end.
0: I think if you if you, I think if you need to overanalyze. Frozen then you you really should let it go
1: and we're done talking about Frozen
0: (laughs) Uh, you have been listening to uh, Brave New Words you can find us on Facebook as Brave New Words you can find us on Tumblr as Brave New Words you can find us on Twitter as Brave New Words Uh, you can also brilliantly join our secret Brave New Words Book Club Uh, our details will be available on the Facebook
1: website
3: uh, so it's goodbye for me, Ed Fortune. It's goodbye for me, Sir Lloyd.
1: That's goodbye for me, Dell.